In today's episode, I talk with award-winning performer, theatre maker and teacher Peter Lilly about how in a horrific and hilarious incident she witnessed during a play in the 1980s triggered her groundbreaking work in the genre of Dark Clown. We look at the similarities and differences between the Red Nose and Dark Clown and as we examine the notion of troubled laughter, Peter highlights an integral factor of Dark Clown work. We are not laughing at suffering, but laughing in the presence of suffering. Peter also talks about her career in physical theatre and reflects on how her early nervousness has proved to have been an asset in her journey of discovery in her work. Please join me as we laugh through a different lens. Hello and welcome to the Perception Podcast, Peter. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for coming on. I feel very privileged. Thank you, Caro. <laughs> so where would you like to start? Where do you think you would like to oh, God only knows. dive in? I, um, I've been listening a lot. To, um, I, I have been listening to a, a, a lot of podcasts and I kind mm. of, uh, I, I started listening to yours and I'm, I must get back. Um, it'd be really good to you know actually get a bit further into some of them. Um, there's a a guy who was on Conan O'Brien's one. Mm. I can't remember his name. Something like Dad, something Burrows or Bill. Bill. Anyway, an alliterative name. But I I, I transcribe what mm. he he was saying, and he was talking about precisely this that he laughs at terrible things, and he was describing. He was saying it's so mean. You know, mm-hmm. it's so horrible and horrific <laughs> that he says it. he just bursts, it tips over or bursts through into comedy for mm. him. Mm. And uh, I, f- I found that really useful. And then at a certain point he said he has arguments with his wife who's very tender-hearted and they're always, you know, the news is mm-hmm. always bad. You know, they're always showing bad news. And he says, I don't know how to watch the news anymore, you know, because they're presenting horrible things that you can do nothing about. Mm. 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 So, so well, you know, what do you do? And I've always, um, ever since the inciting incident of um the inciting incident of seeing that show in 1980 where there was that one scene that made me that made me laugh but without taking away any of the horror mm. of uh what i was seeing uh and the fact that this physiological experience that i had was um early days i would have just said compelling um but i've analyzed it a little, you know, a lot since then. And, and it's it's the fact that normally if, if it's something horrible, we're meant to shut up. Mm. We're meant to shut up. We're meant to look away. And through the agency of theatre, which is a place set up for us to look at evil horror you know love every, everything it's 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 dedicated it's a dedicated space where oedipus can you know get mm. his eyes out with with brooch pins yeah um, that's that's the place that it's 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 set up for that <clears throat> and <clears throat> we can witness these portrayals with the dark clown work we witness these portrayals of horribleness uh using uh, a very detailed comedy craft so that people can have the experience of watching and making a sound while watching, which for me, I I find really valuable that um, I grew up with a lot of, um, I'm, I'm theorizing now, but I, mm-hmm. I reckon it's true. I, I I just grew up with a lot of cortisol in my system. I was always a very nervous uh, little person, um, mm-hmm. uh, and the this what do you call it the the circumstances of of my mother's pregnancy and what was going on in her life 
were, I just think I was, you know, all her adrenaline <laughs> mm. was coming at me mm. in, well, in the room, you know. It's psychological. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's scientifically proven about how what is going on for the mother affects the developing child in utero and, and not only psychologically but also physically and uh yeah affects really affects a, the developing fetus really deeply so i can understand i hear you yeah so you know as this nervous person and i've done a number of things uh over the years to uh try to understand it try to come to terms with it try to uh stop, you know, judging myself as flawed or investigating the flaws and and looking for a big, deep, dark reason for the flaw and going, maybe nothing that bad. Nothing, you know, because you read horrible things, don't Mm -hmm. you, Uh, people living with sexual abuse from their family and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't as big and traumatic as as that you know but there was just this you know death by a thousand cuts sort of thing there were, mm. there were enough circumstances just to make me <laughs> very nervous mm. in life and like I say I've, I've I've gone a lot a long way to uh alleviate that but just just as an example one of the things was if there's a loud noise, you know, back when I was young and beautiful. <laughs> you, you are beautiful, my darling. You are. You are. <laughs> oh, the, the the joy of the Zoom filter. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you know, the, a taxi driver would blow his horn and it would like <clears throat> physically um, I would get a spike of adrenaline. Uh, my muscles would grip. It would be it would be so physically unpleasant mm. uh and now if i hear a loud noise i go fuck jesus you know i just mm. let the sound out you're letting it out yeah I, I you know and and that stops it i've been having read because of the dark clown work i've read the uh bessel von is he bessel van Kolk? uh Kolk? i've forgotten his name now bessel the- <laughs> Hulk Van Bessel. That's terrible. I haven't seen his name for a while. Stephen, we know, we know, we know him. P- Peter Levine and and Bessel Van Kolk, you know, and talking about the shaking and 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 being able to, you know, do that running movement, being able to uh, do what the freeze stopped us doing. So mm-hmm. giving an expression uh, through what I now call troubled laughter. Is, That's uh, great. That's great. That expression, troubled laughter. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's a conflict, a conflicted laugh. And it's not the love. See, the more I started to study, uh, well, well, to develop uh and refine my thinking on the dark clown work, I I would think, wow, isn't it amazing that the red-nosed clown, we laugh with impunity. Mm. Mm. Idiot, you know. So I remember seeing um, Okidok, uh, who I think are Belgian. They're either Belgian or Holland. A Belgian clown duo, very acrobatic, very skilled. And there's a guy sitting on top of a like a flight case that was part of this. Mm. And he crossed his leg, crossed his legs, and fell off mm. perfectly, soundlessly. Mm. With- Clown, uh, clown craft because the clown is lives in a sort of not normal world and we can't go, ooh, is the performer all right? But crossed his legs and with this amazing dynamic, fell off the, the thing and I was almost pointing at the stage going, idiot, can't even cross his legs properly, mm. e- even while knowing all the craft. Mm. Mm. So, and this... And- and that's the beauty of being present, isn't it? Being, And that's the beauty of watching people who are really skilled yeah. moving in a way. It's natural. It's not something that's staged. This is in their boat. These are funny bones. Yeah. And this is in their bones. And they send out that energy, which comes back as a laugh. 
so that I call it the sad normals, so the sad mm. normals can mm. laugh. And, mm. and when you think about the, you know, the red-nosed clown, there's a lot of suffering and we really do enjoy the red-nosed clown suffering and I explore mm. in the dark clown work um, uh, little similarities and where where it's similar and where it's different and there are some exercises that take people from, uh, you know, they'll do a red-nosed clown exercise so that they can see, you know, um, for example, they can uh, see the progression. Yes, there's a progression. Mm. So I get the the red nosed clown to think. You know how we love that the red nosed clown has. This is my new definition of clown. That that the that the clown has uh, the clown has all the little micro emotions and thought mm. processes that the sad normals would rather disguise hide not not be having mm. and the clown just has them all visibly for the audience and I always say the, the sad normal is me in Waitrose you know <laughs> but isn't it interesting it's the clown wears their vulnerability as their outer self as opposed to the sad normal us who will do anything and everything to mask our vulnerability yes Yes. To mask what we're really feeling. And yeah. and as you were talking, you know, when you were describing sort of your journey into clown, but looking back at your journey in yourself, it's so interesting. All of these things, I think, really start with an exploration of how we are operating and how we react in the world and what our perception is of the world. And if we were taught and if our initial inputting from our parents and from our peers, if our initial input was not great, we then will play out in our lives the inputting, the, the, the belief, the story about yeah. things not being great as we as we you know move through our lives only until we suddenly one day we wake up and go hang on a minute why am i jumping out of my skin when a when a car honks its horn yeah yeah and that's you know then you're going back into that that investigation and it's so it's just so fascinating and and sorry i i interrupted mm -hmm. you as you were just talking about that you know us normals being able to laugh as the as the master clown shows their skill mm. and we revert back it's funny isn't it we kind of connect with our inner child and allow the inner child their vulnerability mm. we mirror back their vulnerability to them yeah so just to uh, go back to that progression between the red mm. nose and the, and the dark, and this isn't like the complete description of how red nose differs from the dark, but it's one of the one of the process uh, steps that I do, or a little series of steps that I do to help guide people to what what it is that I teach when I teach dark clown. So there's an exercise where uh, you ask the red nose clown, "Are you a sandwich?" <laughs> <laughs> and clowns always want to say yes, and so the clown will go. It'll have all the thoughts, you know. What? Oh, did I hear something? Oh, someone asked me. Did you ask me a question? What was the question? Oh, sandwich. Oh, I don't know. What, oh, what? What kind of sandwich? You know, and all the little mm. thoughts. And oh no, egg mayonnaise. I don't feel like being that. You know, <laughs> mm. any number of emotions can come up, and then especially if it's something like less benign than a sandwich and, and the clown has to say yes because it's in the clown's nature and it's like, yes and you get this wonderful mm. you you get to see all the um all the thinking and 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 some of the suffering which is great and then i take it up a level and i give uh the red-nosed clown has a dilemma mm. and the dilemma is uh between two wonderful things so it's uh, cake or chocolate. <laughs> oh, oh! And I, I let them know that it's um, to remind them how much like the clown 
doesn't want to, if it chooses chocolate, then it offends cake because cake, uh, because clowns kind of think that inanimate things are sentient and mm. are friends. So mm. it doesn't want to hurt the feelings of cake or it, it just can't make a decision because both are too wonderful, which is stressful or, or it's, um, you know, it's as if, if if it chooses chocolate today, then we'll no, never again be any cake. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's um, and they they ask each other things like, you know, butterflies or raindrops, uh, mm. puppies or kittens, and and the cloud, and and it's amazing. Sometimes you see when I was doing it on Zoom during COVID mm. times, and I sort of dropped into a breakout room, and there was a clown going. <laughs> Well, uh, really suffering with the mm. dilemma between I don't know rainbows and puddles. Mm. Um, mm. So, so yeah, with that in mind, you know this suffering that the the red nosed clown so generously offers us, uh, and to help people show all the, because I think people think the horrible things. Are just one flavor it's just a chunk mm. and i it's almost like there's a subconscious thought it's a chunk and if i go there i'll feel that way forever but it's just like that uh, mobility of the clown's mm. expression and feeling and it's like oh oh god oh you know for example in that lineup exercise that you were referring to um that on on the work the clown and dark clown workshop you participated mm. in Mm. Um, a few years back, um, where the stakes are really high and they're going and they ask to do something against their will. And then it's like mm. the horror of being asked the, oh, shit, uh, oh, God, the, the embarrassment of, you know, having to degrade themselves by yeah. doing that thing under force. And then someone laughs and then, oh, it, it's, you know, just like the shock of the laughter. And then yeah. what kind of world is this? You know, so yeah. the, of, uh, can you just can you just qualify that what the exercise is first? So yes, yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's such a fantastic exercise. Thank you for saying that. I have to say, um, I got out of the habit of teaching it. it. It was always, as you know, a really it was like the watershed moment in the clown and dark clown workshop because things are grim. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. in the world, but most of us, uh, mm. we're, we're not in Syria, we're not in Turkey at the moment, um, mm. most of us, you know, the the biggest choice of the day is latte or flat white, I don't, you know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we still, most of us, um, you know, and all honour and, and, and pity and resentment for inequality to those whose lives are much, much harder. So, so people on a workshop uh, often find it hard to find those life and death stakes. Mm. And it's the life and death stakes that uh, release people into these spontaneous ex- expressions mm. of, of humanity uh, reacting to horror. Um, mm. So this exercise was... Um, using the idea of what I call enforced performance where mm. sadly something that has happened in the world where mm. where people are being oppressed and then the oppressors make them perform in, in some way, mm. whether it's as simple as Joe Pesci making the waiter dance by shooting at his feet mm. in, mm. in Goodfellas or the more horrific things that have happened in um you know, terrible, uh, I'm trying to think of another, uh, a terrible, um, like a Holocaust situation, like mm. or, or in World War II, you know. Mm. So we we never, when we're doing the dark clown, we never say this is happening now. You know, you always need mm. some, we always rely a bit on absurd comedy and say, a torture realm somewhere. Mm. An apocryphal torture realm somewhere, and uh, this lineup exercise is where the prisoners. Uh, it's as if you live uh, in a torture zone, uh, a torture facility, and then every so often, alarms go off, and you're forced to to run, you know, 
down the corridors with guards, mm. you know, hurrying you along with their batons, and then you burst out into a theatre with lights and audience. Mm. Um, and uh, I teach everyone a, a sort of stamping dance da, 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 where they're shunting forward and they make it a little bit yeah. different with a, a rhythmic pattern. So that's like you would give the red-nosed clown a little one, two, three, one, two, three across the floor so that they have something installing a rhythm because rhythm is very important to comedy. Exactly. First rule of comedy, Spike. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, rhythm. So there's this rhythmic thing uh, and it's it's a sort of basic activity to to start off with this stamping dance where they come before the audience and then they have to run back, you know, to this choiceless Sisyphusian uh, thing. Mm. That's that's all they have to do. And then the controller, which is me in role, I explain all of this very carefully beforehand, and, and people come um, and have to do things against their will. And there's a lot of infrastructure that has been laid for the course participants so that Mm. it's as safe as it can be. We all do an exercise that everyone loves. Remember torture over 10 feet? There's, there's, so uh, lines of everyone's got their own partner in, in two rows like that. And the people on this side are inflicting uh, torture. You oh, know, like, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And the people. The crash, a slap to the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because of rhythm plus musicality and timbre, so we're trying to get an. <laughs> we're getting all the different rhythms. We're getting the anxiety panting or the recovery panting. Yeah, yeah. And we're getting. And- yeah, go on. Yeah, well, I was going to say kicking the nuts is always funny. No, no, but um, yeah. um, it's cruel. it's just it, it's cruel. It is cruel. But also, what's really funny is just it's a real shame that people who are listening can't see the faces <laughs> that you're pulling. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, on, but on Zoom, but on Zoom, which will this this will also eventually be on Zoom. But you'll you'll be able to see this. We'll we'll have it on video. But um, yeah, yeah it's so. It is just, we laugh in spite of ourselves, don't we? We cannot stop, cannot help that, that, and then we feel bad. Yes. And that makes us want to laugh even more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's so awful. It's when you're shown something really awful, uh, you, you, you can't, it's it's that it's the, the disbelief kind of comes into it. Mm-hmm. It's that you know, people always say it's unthinkable. Mm. Um, you know, like war is unthinkable. You know, it's like these horrors are sort of explode. The things that happened in um, uh, Cambodia, you know, Pol Pot's mm. machine, mm. are spectacularly grotesque and obscene. And and that word is great because in um, uh, it means off scene. In Greek mm. tragedy, uh, Oedipus would stab his eyes out off sc- off the scene mm. and then just come on w- with the blood, which was also so, mm. so this word obscene, it's just too horrific to to be seen. That's, um, I mean, that's that's also really incredible and, and, and really I think a lot of film and TV at the moment doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Yeah, which yeah. is which is a shame because things off scene and that aren't seen that we conjure up in our own imaginations are oftentimes so much more horrific yeah. that it's the imagining yeah. of something that are more horrific than the actual execution, forgive the pun, of the of the actual act. Yes. With the dark clown work, just for clarity's sake, we are seeing mm. these these events. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was very long-windedly doing a sentence, that, but these big horrific events are so horrific mm. that we can't just shed a, a sympathetic tear. Mm. It, it doesn't match. We, we, we can't just feel bad. It's... It, 
it's <clears throat> and 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 for me that's where that laughter that experience that I had mm. in the 1980s watching that one scene in a play where I went oh, 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 where <laughs> you're actually able to uh it is a sound that these horrific things it's funny isn't it because it's, it's like every action has an opposite and equal reaction that's what i kind of got from what you were just saying then and and you're right so can you just tell us what the scene was in the 1980s uh yes in the in 19- play yeah it was a very controversial well, the 1980 rather yeah 1980 yeah mm. yeah uh uh, a very controversial and and uh, I, I know I was just talking about it with um, a colleague and friend last night. He said, oh, I hated it. I hated it. Um, that I found it really compelling and particularly this one scene. So it was set in a prison camp and there was a, a prisoner there, tall and gangly with a shaved head, which was more unusual back in 1980s, wasn't it? Mm. Um, mm. apart from the skinheads, I suppose. Um, but, you know, and and he was dancing, singing and dancing, and at the same time hitting himself on the head with a metal tea tray. And, and the dancing was so mm. desperate, gangly and grotesque, and he was eyeballing the audience in this particular way. So we were really reminded, as we are with Red Nose Clown, that there is no fourth wall. Mm. And we're in our seats and we're going, oh, oh, God, this is this is awful that this person looks so compelled to do this um, uh, grotesque and sort of self um, self punishing thing. Mm. And and that was that it was it was simultaneously horrific and hilarious. Mm. It didn't take away any of the suffering. So this is where um, I feel compelled to say this now. Yeah. It's always what I say. It's that I, when I'm teaching Dark Clown, I always say it's it's the most important thing I say. This is not a laugh at suffering mm. or people who have suffered. It is a laugh in the presence of suffering. Mm. The the mm. aim of the art form genre whatever we can call uh this work of a uh, dark clown that i've developed over the 30 years or more mm. since then uh the aim of it is to give the audience uh the experience of having this troubled laughter and give the mm. audience the experience of witnessing uh, a portrayal of things that even if you're reading in a book, you kind of, oh, you put the book down, you don't, you feel mm. you would be morbid to imagine mm. it. But mm. what what does it look like if you're forced to sell out the, the person standing right next to you? You're, 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 you know, you say, no, take them, not me. You're, you're in such, you're, you've been so, the pressure on you is so great that you do what um, Winston does in George Orwell and says, mm. do, it, do it to Julia, you know, mm. do it to them because you're, and then how you look in the moment after you've been forced to this position of having lost all your, all your values because the mm. amygdala has taken over. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just fight, flight, freeze or avoid. Uh, you know, and fawn. Yeah. People have added fawn, fawn, uh, which I really like. Which is uh, and uh, people, women in the back of a, a cab with a a dodgy driver, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, criticizing yourself afterwards. Why, why didn't I, you know, push back on their political thinking? But you're you're kind of like, ah, oh, you're implicating mm. mode. <laughs> so that you arrive at your destination. This that was going back a few years. That they're, they're, they're yeah. sort of policing um, taxi drivers better now. Yeah, get yeah. any taxi drivers who are listening. Sorry, but oh, um, yeah. back, um, in the, back in the bad old days, men. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's so. I think it's a, it is an important distinction to make that this is not laughing at the at people's pain and at, pers- at pain and suffering to all the situations but it's but as you say it's taking it out and and looking at the looking at the mechanics of it and the mechanics of things are always so i mean they're absurd 
And I think from absurdity, there is this um there is this humor. So with this and the and the mechanics of of laughter, I suppose, how do you think that the viewer or the audience perceive dark clown? Is everyone laughing? Because laughter is universal. However, what makes us laugh as individuals is very personal, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Humor will always be subjective. On the other hand, humor has the ability, we are always surprised into laughter, unless we're doing a cod laugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and humor and comedy, I mean, um, it's about seeing things from a different angle. It's putting the unexpected, uh, a, a, a setup and then a, an unexpected, unexpected mm. outcome. If, if we're talking in terms of a joke, uh, or in terms of clowning, it's putting contrasting things and emotion mm. right next to each other, which, uh, also happens in, uh, dark comedy, like Daniel Sloss, uh, Sloss, S-L-O-S-S, the, um, uh, comedian, um, there was, he was talking about that, um, uh, putting, you know, these conflicting emotions right next to each other. Mm. So this is what I say when I'm teaching it. I say, um, if you ask most people, although nowadays the, the conversation has become much more sophisticated since Hannah Gadsby's wonderful show, Nanette, where she mm. deconstructed comedy. Like yeah. Yeah. Age and video and network, uh, films. Um, but if, if you ask people why they laugh, they will say because it was funny. Mm. Or they'll start to logically, you know, uh, describe the joke. But but really they have been, um, the comedian has done one picture, another picture, and there's been a surprise. Mm. And uh, the, the good uh, comedy player will have uh been maintain uh, creating the rhythm mm. for um a call and response the mm. you know comedian goes out and says good evening Wembley and then they make a noise Wee. and I make a noise you make a noise you hear mm. comedians talking and and things like getting them in the habit of laughing and really really uh managing the rhythms very mm. very well in all the different ways because what you're working with is the the human physiology mm. it's a physiological of, uh, of event you know you need the engagement of the eyes um you need there to be the right amount of tension not too much tension uh you need to have them in a good state so that then you can make them tense and then release the tension mm. Mm. There's uh, uh, so much um, well, technicalities involved. Isn't that, isn't it right that when you see a comedian and they're dying on stage, it's that's tension that you can't resolve because you're yeah, not laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's the wrong kind of tension. But it is that there is a, because we're uncomfortable. But as you say, it's creating that, it's setting it everything up from the start creating that level of tension that creates discomfort and then the laughter allowing that release of discomfort and, and the payoff, I suppose. Yeah. And having the rhythms installed. So yeah. The, the, this physiological event that the lungs and the breathing and the, and the diaphragm, there's a mobility in the air and the rhythm's been good enough so that you can make it tense and then get your relaxation. Whereas mm. if people have shut down, then the level of tension and the body's not moving, they're, they're wishing they were somewhere else. <laughs> you, you're never going <laughs> it's just not, it's just not going to, uh, it's just not going to happen. No, no. Yeah. And, um, and, and, I just want to know, actually, Peter, you know, we just we we kind of sort of launched really into talking about you and your kind of childhood, uh, very, very brief, brief <laughs> childhood sort of discomfort, um, which mm. we kind of which we kind of sketched around. But it's just moving on from that. So then from being 
quite a nervy person to then kind of to go into a profession where you're on stage, <laughs> the thing that, you know, 98% of the, uh, of the population fear yep. and that's how they will be perceived when they are bearing themselves in public speaking or standing in front of other people. Because as I was, you know, as I was saying that we really do view ourselves through the prism of, of others. Mm. Um, what then propelled you onto the stage uh, or, or, or into, into performance or how did you find your way, you know, into and what, what were the first steps Oh, like about 45 thoughts have come into my head. Um, <laughs> my uh, my father, who was a difficult man, um, mm. uh, was also uh, the, the agent of... Uh, my early access to comedy. So he would go to, uh, he and, he and my mother would go to this vaudeville. It was called the Theatre Royal in my hometown of Brisbane, Australia. And there would be sketches, there would be singers, there would be this, there would be that. So it was, uh, there'd be people, you know, doing comedy with a band, you know, sort of singing comic songs and, and, and telling stories with, with music. And it was, that was very powerful. And we had certain um, records at home, the heavy ones, you know, the 33 <laughs> and the third, you know, and uh, th that, you know, listening to that. So in the, in the miserable, miserable bits of my childhood, Laughter was like, ah, oh, laughter was, uh, a, well, I'm, I'm putting words in my three-year-old mouth, but that laughter was a relief and a release. Mm. Laughter was a, a pleasant. Laughter was, oh, this is a good thing. Because laughter does make you feel good, by and large. Mm. Mm. So, um, and then growing growing up, and uh, in Australia we get a lot of sort of American uh, movies and mm. shows. So there was a, a comedian called Red Skelton who also did uh, a clown character. And mm. I would go to school the next day and <laughs> whatever to, to doing. Do, not that I was not that I was class clown or anything, but like telling my friends and and doing you know t in tiny in tiny some of the things that he mm. was doing. So I I do remember that, that this might sound big-headed but I, I I do remember one day being parked in the car and, and mum or dad had gone off to do something or other and I was in in a car with um my brother and his mate and I and I was saying how I thought oh yes I said you know what makes the joke funny it's the rhythm because it's da 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 and my brother just looked at me with such contempt <laughs> so I kind of picked up from uh, things like, you know, uh, like Warner Brothers. We had a walk, uh, mm. Warner Brothers record. Danny Kay with yeah. the incredible music, had the vessel with the pestle is the potion that is poisoned, you know, um, mm. all that rhythmic stuff. So all of this was was building in me and, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, have any idea what I was going to do in my life but when I was 17 I went to a um a workshop mm. a theater workshop and I just went ah oh. there was one moment where I thought ah oh, this is it I'm home you know this this collection of people mm. that were around me there were two girls that walked around in a crocheted rug together there was a a, a guy that wore a pink shirt you know these are things unheard of in uh, <laughs> at the time and you know we were doing and playing and and dealing you know with extracts from plays and things like that and the imagination and all of that so that was it you know I didn't really have any and then I was working in, not 
it was a semi-professional theatre. So I was performing plays at night and I got I was so mm. lucky to get some good roles like Juliet, Kate Hardcastle, Marianne from Tales from the Vienna Woods. Mm. I had a really good run. And by day, I was working in advertising. That was my mm. first you know, proper job, being a copywriter in advertising. Mm. And, um, and then there was... A sort of an accident. My life has been blessed with a series of accidents. My then boyfriend, uh, his family wanted to take a holiday overseas, and we said we can't we can't afford to go for six weeks to be with you. But that that had planted the idea in mm. our heads, and we sold up everything, and we thought we'll go for a year. And then I came to the UK, and I found. Um, <clears throat> Uh, by accident, <laughs> someone said to me, you're interested in mime, aren't you? And I went, why is she saying that to me? <laughs> to what she said. And then I realised that she must have seen me in, we did Beckett's Act Without Words, um, without having any idea of how we were going to do it. But And, and I think, I, I, I and I, I know, uh, that um, we just decided on, well, you'll wear black tights and a, a stripy T-shirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what year was this? When was this? Oh, it would have been, that would have been late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. How wonderful. And, and that was the day when they said, you know, you, you pick up the Beckett, Samuel Beckett, and it says, um, you know, Act one, always when it is only act one, but you know, Mm. the first stage direction is uh, he or whatever it is, is is thrown on stage backwards. And I thought, hmm, perchance I should do some exercise. (laughs) And I sort of remembered leaning over to touch my toes and getting as far as my knees and going, Hmm. Okay. Perhaps I'd better yeah get going with a bit of yoga or something. Mm, mm. How fantastic! It's a lot of suffering in that in that show, and I was just yeah. going get thrown on stage. It's you know this that's um, planting the seeds for some of the dark clown exercises mm, where people are being mm. forced to perform and then trapped in mm. in difficult situations. And the final piece of the puzzle is. Um, it's taken me years to realize this, but um, my father was a bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I witnessed the terrible scene where he was chasing my, my brother was literally climbing the walls of the bedroom. My father had, uh, his one of his prized possessions. It was a, 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 a what they call a stock whip, a, a, mm. an actual whip that you would use on animals, which is awful in and of itself. Uh, and um, it was all coiled up, and I don't think he got that many hits in. But he was chasing my my brother with with this coiled up whip, and I was very young. I was about three, and it was it was that experience of witnessing that awful thing and it was kind of my it was my fault that it happened uh and uh but but it's but that's the worst though thinking that it's your fault because it because it isn't that's that's also a story that we've made up because of the circumstances you know I know you can say well okay but it's so damaging yeah because it, our perception is, well, if I do this, then that will happen, which again is like the dark clown. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it kept it kept me very modest and frozen and cautious over the years, mm. for sure. But, uh, yeah, over the years I kind of realised, oh, my God, I really have to thank my father mm. for the dark clown work because it was that, it was that witnessing of, horror not being able to do with it. it it was the experience so so we've been talking about the the troubled laughter being for the audience but also the dark clown player gets to um gets to channel emotions they haven't permitted them to fear uh to feel they haven't mm. permitted themselves to feel and the in in a in a playful way not by 
not by emotional recall. And they also get to consider um, the, 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 the plight, the predicament of people in terrible situations mm. and, and embody that, which is to be able to uh, make real, physicalize, vocalize these mm. things. It takes um, some of the sting mm. out of it. Mm. It takes it takes the horror out of it. So I have this um, sympathy for uh, I don't know because uh, there's a well I'm gonna I'm gonna call it for the bystander, and I think the bystander is used in academia in another kind of way. But it's that thing of the horror of you know being the untouched yes. while these terrible things. So it's yeah. It's, that that the, the 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 troubled laughter is part of to go yeah yeah we can uh, we can really taste our our inability to help mm. it can and and also really taste our our guilt and our yeah. shame which mm. I was you know what with the uh, horrific. Uh, uh, an uh, event of, of what we all experienced with George Floyd's appalling mm. death, um, and and then subsequent to that, all the conversations and Brene Brown mm. uh, saying we need to be able to feel shame. We need to not be. Mm frightened of that we need to be able to die. so because most people go oh shame doesn't feel nice I'm starting to go there so I'll I'll go angry and I'll defend my mm. rights you know and, mm. and dismiss you know the seriousness of uh, the problem anything you know anything to avoid the pain but if you can actually go yeah let's 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 feel that let's let's have the taste in our mouth of that of that shame of witnessing something oh, where your cheeks can you know feel a bit unpleasant and sort of prickly mm -hmm. or clammy or you know so I I was very pleased to have that uh sense of you know it's not just me and my sick mind that has created mm. this dark clown no, but, no. Uh, it, it's, it's maybe serving a function yeah well it's really important and I think the work that you do and having been a participant in the workshops, it is so important and so rich and so, and, and so funny. We laugh, as I said, we laugh in spite of ourselves. And, and I think what you've really kind of proved there is that the starting point is oneself and, our perception of ourselves and what others will think of us. And it's that in, in that journey, there's the discomfort and there's the, and there's the tension and then subsequently the humor. Um, yeah. It's, it's incredible. Your work is so brilliant. Have you got any more workshops coming up? Do you have any Darkland workshops coming up? I, I, I think I do. I think I do. I'm just grabbing my diary. Um, I because it would be really great. What I'd like uh, in the show notes, what I'm going to do, everybody, hello, in the show notes, I will um, uh, supply all of Peter's details, uh, contact details and uh, social media um, uh, contact uh, numbers, et cetera, um, or handles, I should say. <laughs> Handles, <laughs> yeah, yeah, your social, your social handles. Um, I'm going to supply all of those things. But if you could just uh, give them to us now as well, that would be really, really great. And um, yeah, and please tell us if you've got any uh, Darkland workshops on the horizon at any point. I've just um, managed to because uh, you've got to find the space and it's got to be the right space to teach clown and dark clown so the 8th and 9th I've just been able to secure uh, a great space in London 8th and 9th of May <clears throat> oh wow fantastic fantastic 
of May. Brilliant. Fabulous. And so I'll put details up. We'll put a link to that in uh, in the show notes. So um, if people would like to explore Clown and Dark Clown, and I can say with my hand on my heart, it has enriched me and my performance. Well, wow. well, it does. As a, as a performer, there are so many different avenues that you really want to explore because people think acting is just, I, well, you know, acting is reacting. But also there are all of these other layers. When you talk about the clown and their their relationship with inanimate objects as though they are sentient, that's also the attitude of the puppeteer. You know, you, you're you're taking an inanimate object and you're and you're giving it breathing life into it, and so I'm very interested in that and and also and and the world of physical theatre because we really, as you were saying, you know, it's about our physiology when we're on stage. Really, it's about our tonality and our and our and our physiology and words. You know, word schmerds, they're, they're, they're kind of, they are important, but they're in terms of conveying the essence of feeling, you know, a picture paints a thousand words, a look, you know, um, and your work has really, yeah, it's really enriched my practice. So thank you, Peter. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, your your wit and your wisdom and <laughs> and 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 talking us through what dark clown is and um i hope you'll come back and we can have some more conversations that would be great thank you yeah. it's been a delight um being heard by you and and hearing your reflections and your lovely questions thank you yeah no 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 worries it's wonderful having this conversation with you and thank you to everybody thank you to everyone as always for listening um uh please like and share and subscribe and follow and rate and all of those other wonderful things and please yes please please share so thank you everybody for listening and uh we'll see you again on another or here you can hear us again on another episode of the perception podcast next week thanks a lot bye-bye thanks peter thank you cara